You ready to beat your bookmaker? Well, then it's time to follow the model. Welcome back, everybody. You know what this is. It's the Follow the Model podcast. I'm your host, Steve Thaw, founder of Thawball, and we have the architect of the model on the line. What's up, Gates? The architect is doing well. We're firing on all cylinders. Had a clean sweep last week. Let's keep this momentum going. Got to keep it going through Thanksgiving and this week. Doing well is an understatement. A clean sweep last week. The one we've been waiting for to get us back over 500, both via units and via record. So to review, last week, 5-0 and plus 8.5 units on the season plus five units 30 and 26 overall record as we march back towards that 60 percent mark and over 60 percent that we hit last season with the model and we have confidence now we've seen it week in week out since really around week seven week six uh, outside of some bad beats in that stretch the model has really been calibrated so let's revisit last week briefly in that 5-0 stretch some were dogs that won outright some were dogs that covered so take us through it yeah we're 5-0 last week 8-1 over the last two weeks as you said really since about week seven it's week six we feel calibrated we feel locked in we're ready to go right now we started off the week thursday night definitely got a good break here so the ball's definitely finally bounced our way this week in a couple ways uh, got a break with Joey B getting injured, right? I, I still think the Ravens would have won that game, but clearly that's that's going to help us out a ton. So Ravens end up blowing that one away after Joey B was done in, at the end of the second quarter. Let's look at the Browns-Steelers game. The Browns, that was our biggest unit game actually of the week. The Browns dominated that game just like they did in the first matchup. The Steelers literally couldn't get a thing going. They had one Jalen Warren, like 80-yard touchdown. Very similar to in the first matchup when there was a George Pickens, like 80-yard touchdown. And that was the only big play of the entire game for the Steelers. Somehow they got some magic and turnovers in the first matchup. Not to be in the second matchup. I think they, they held the Steelers under like 200 yards, basically, even with that huge play. So it was just domination by the Browns. They got the three-point win. DTR actually did come back and, and lead a uh, an end-of-game drive to, to kick the field goal to give them the W. So that was pretty cool to see. And, and we love what the Browns are doing there. Uh, let's talk about the Monday Nighter. The Eagles beat the Chiefs in a great matchup we were getting the three so we were we were probably going to be okay at least to push for most of that second half eagles did exactly what we thought they would on defense they basically shut down mahomes and this chief's offense the chiefs actually got the running game going for a lot of that game which is pretty shocking considering the eagles had the number one run defense going into that game you know i was pretty shocked by the eagles lack of offense for most of that but that can be attributed to maybe jalen hurts's knee injury just not not clicking on all cylinders and the rain might have had something to do with it. But they finally put together enough, had the big play to Devonta Smith, got the W, got us the win there. And then a couple other games, the Vikings, they got the cover, even though they didn't get the win. They were also dominating that game, had two fumbles, had a bad interception. So turnovers weren't in their favor. And that, that may preview us for the Broncos game this week. But the Vikings, even though they lost the game, did cover the two-point spread. And then finally, the Bucks also a loser, but covered the spread for us, 13 and a half, lost by 13. Baker and, and, and the offense actually played pretty well against the tough 49ers defense and kept that game close enough. 
I love it. Five and oh, and in the email that you sent, the model actually went 12 and one in all games, best week in model history. So it's really firing, it's really calibrating, and that's what we love to see. Some of the quarterback stories you mentioned, Browns fans down to ride with DTR. I've always been a believer since his college days, and let's see if it continues this week. That's a hint for an others to watch section. And then, like you said, the Josh Dobbs story continues. He played really well against the Broncos, but the turnover battle lost three, nothing. And that was that in terms of the win, but they still covered. And you know what they say? Good teams win. Great teams cover. That's my Vikings. That's my Vikings. Great teams cover, baby. So let's move directly on to week 12 and keep the momentum going. It's a Turkey day week. And so with that Thanksgiving, we know the model is trying to help your Stay away from the family as much as you can, right? Lock you in on the TV, get you out of those awkward political conversations that no one wants to be a part of. So let's start it off with that traditional Turkey Day, Turkey Day team and Turkey Day game, except this time the Lions are finally the favorite and they're finally the team to watch in the NFC North. Lions minus seven and a half at home against the Packers. Yeah, we did lock this in at minus seven, which we're pretty thrilled about. This is one where I think a lot of people are going to be scared away. They see a huge spread on on Thanksgiving. The Packers have that brand name. I could see a lot of people already going saying, hey, I'll just take the points, especially getting the hook, the seven and a half. Easy, easy way to go. Let's go that route. This won't be a blowout, right? Eh, Wrong. The Lions are going to dominate this game. They already won 34-20 in Lambeau. And this Lions team is going to be so fired up. There's certain things that are division rivals, right, that get played up. The Packers have been beating the Lions' ass for 25 years and counting. They finally have a much, much better team. And they on Thanksgiving at home, they're going to want to give their fans something they've been waiting literally 30 years for. That's an absolute domination and an embarrassment of this Packers franchise. That's what they're going to want to do. They're going to deliver for their fans. They are just a much, much better team. People are going to get sucked in by that Packers win last week as well, potentially. Let me tell you this. That Chargers defense is atrocious against the pass, which is what Jordan Love was semi-successful with last week. Not even great, but at home in Lambeau. And Joey Bosa went down. Now they go to Detroit. Detroit's going to run the ball all over them. Goff's going to have a field day at home. They win this game by 14 points or more. Let's go Lions pride. Their fans deserve it. It's been long enough. So we like it. The man Campbell eats turkey on Thanksgiving with a cover. So let's move on. Game two, still on Thanksgiving. Seahawks plus seven at home against the Niners. Ton of points to be getting here at home. Arguably the toughest place to play in the NFL in Seattle. Coming off a tough loss against the Rams. Now the big question here is Geno Smith and his health. He went down last week. We're we're still monitoring this, and we're going to monitor it up to game time. Looks like he just has a really bad bruise on his triceps, on his throwing arm. If this was a game on a Sunday, I think there'd be no doubt he plays. It's still questionable if he does, but I think it's leaning towards playing. If he does play and he's anywhere near 100%, we got to lock this in getting seven points at home, like I said. The 49ers just lost one of their best secondary players in in their safety, Hufanga. He tore his ACL last game. 
when that happens, you could immediately tell there was a big hole in that 49er secondary. They have an amazing front seven, the best front seven in the NFL, especially with adding Chase Young over the last couple of weeks in the trade deadline. But the secondary has been weak. They got Javarius Ward, great corner. They, besides that, it's it's pretty weak all around. They just lost to Fonda, like I mentioned. So, the, you know, the Seattle and their, and their passing offense can definitely exploit as long as they can buy some time. This offensive line is getting healthier and healthier. They just got back Abe Lucas, who's been out the entire season since week one. Huge addition for them at, at, at tackle, right? So if they can just buy a little bit of time like the Bucs were able to do last week on offense, they can definitely keep this game within seven points at home. Okay, sounds like there is that big injury to watch. Otherwise, if Geno plays, you're going to lock it in. So stay tight to the sub stack and see what the model says, or sorry, what the injury report says more accurately coming into game time for that one. Let's move on to Sunday football. Okay, so we got the Falcons plus one at home against the Saints. They're going back to Desmond Ritter. On the other side, David Carr is questionable. Derek, Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. It's all right. I still mess it up, too, even though it's been 20 years. He is questionable. I really don't think there's that much of a difference between Derek Carr and Jameis Winston. There's a big difference in terms of their, their style. Derek Carr is much more conservative. Jameis lets it fly. But Jameis has a, Jameis is much higher upside, so there's a lot more ups and downs with him. You know, it's, it's kind of hard, but in terms of grading them in the model, they're pretty similar. The Falcons have, have kind of destroyed us all year. We've we've lost a lot on the Falcons. They've We see a lot of the talent, and it's it's kind of one of those things where we, whenever we bet on them, Desmond Ritter has like the worst week of his life, it seems like, every time we take them. And then when we don't take them, he ends up playing really well. So we just got to hope he plays solid here. The Falcons being at home and getting a point against the Saints team, I mean, it's really more of a fade of the Saints than anything else. The Saints team, they keep trying to tell us week after week that they stink, and no one wants to believe them. No one wants to believe their eyes on what they're seeing because the Saints have been good the last few years, but this team stinks. They just lost their corner, Marshawn Lattimore. He's going to be out for a while, their best corner. They also lost Michael Thomas. Not that he's the same Michael Thomas, but still a solid receiver that you can count on. And the Falcons, we're, we're considering this without two of their top defensive players, cornerback D. Alford and D. Tackle, one of the most underrated D. Tackles in the game, David Onyemata, who used to be on the Saints. If they get one or two of those guys back here, they're going to be fully ready to go on defense. They're going to shut down the Saints offense. Again, they're at home. They just need to get the win. We really like this play. Let's hope that the Falcons get a couple of those guys back on D as well. Okay, let's hope that Ritter doesn't keep getting rid of it and have those turnover problems as he's back in the driver's seat for that Atlanta offense. They got studs abound, but only if their quarterback can get them the ball. And let's see what happens in that division that nobody seems to want to win. So let's move on to the team that is the talk of the NFL and the player that's the talk of the NFL might hurt you to hear it coming in to the week of the game in college football. But alas, CJ Stroud, say it loud, say it proud, potential MVP of the NFL in year one as a rookie. What he's doing is unheard of. We've never seen it before. And he's leading this Texans team from what was last year, a top three pick to this year, potentially a division win and a playoff appearance, and they're going to be in the driver's seat of that division. If they could take care of the Jaguars at home this week, Texans are getting two in Houston. 
doesn't hurt me a bit. Doesn't hurt me at all. And I'll tell you why. I've been riding this Texans team since very, very early on in this season. I said that in terms of their offseason moves, they were pretty much the most improved team in the NFL in terms of all the offseason acquisitions that they made. CJ Stroud has clearly been phenomenal out on anyone's expectations, including mine. But this team, this team is hot right now. And, and just a, a little segue to your Michigan question. We won the last two years and blew them out with CJ Stroud. So what do we think is going to happen at home without? Just going to leave that one there. For the Texans, we really like what they're doing right now at home. They blew this Jags team out in Jacksonville about a month ago. That was kind of the coming out party for CJ Stroud and this entire team. Jacksonville has been very similar to that good, bad team, right? They beat up on all the shitty teams, kind of like Dallas likes to do, puff out their chest. We're going to win by 40. Look how good we are. Anytime there's a level up in the competition, especially on the defensive side, that's where we see a lot more of a lackluster performance. And that's what I think we're going to see again this week. The Houston offense is clicking on a completely different level than Jacksonville. And Jacksonville just flatly isn't going to be able to keep up. And Houston's, again, at home. They know that if they win, if they win this, that means that they have won, they've swept the Jags. They have that tiebreaker over them. This is a huge, huge game for the division and and really for both sides. But we just we believe in the offense right now. It's not even going to question to me if you're talking about one offense versus the other. Now the two injury updates to watch. One is going to be the safety Jimmy Ward for the Texans, one of the best safeties in the NFL, who they got from the 49ers in the offseason. He's missed the last couple of games, and it's pretty obvious when you look at their secondary. That's why teams have been able to throw on him. If he comes back, that's huge. And then similarly for the Jags, they, they missed uh, cornerback Tyson Campbell. He's been in and out of the lineup the last few weeks. Missed last game. We'll see if he can come back as well. Obviously, they, they need all the help they can get to shut down this explosive Texans offense. Let's go Texans, and that's a big game for the division. Like we said, Texans preseason 10-1, to 1, longest odds of any team to win their division, and they're closing in on it, and they'll be even closer with a win this week against Jacksonville. So let's keep an eye on that one and lock it in with the model. Moving on to the team that the model is seemingly in on every single week, and it's pretty much been a good bet every single week save for some questionable Nelson Aguilar hands team decisions. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens flock. Let's fly together. We're minus three and a half, flying to L.A. to take on the Chargers. But we know that's not much of a home field advantage out there in SoFi Stadium. Exactly. There's a lot of things going for us here. One is that the Ravens are coming off Thursday night football. Yes, they lost Mark Andrews. That's a huge loss. But the Chargers lost Joey Bosa on defense, and there's already not a good defense to begin with. So they get the 10 days rest. LA is not a home field advantage at all. We barely give them a point for, for that home field, right? Especially with the Ravens off, off the rest. And, and we've been on the Ravens for weeks and weeks now, right? This team is just such a solid team. There's They have no weaknesses across the board. They also were missing their, their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, in the last game. Let's see if he can come back. Let's see if we can get a fully healthy offensive line again. They only had that for like one game throughout this run, and they dominated when that happened. Let's see if we can get that fully healthy offensive line back again. And I see Lamar having a gigantic day against this team, right? I, I just think that this Chargers team, again, one of those teams that keeps trying to prove to us who they are week after week, but no one wants to believe it. Hopefully we can get this down to minus three, but either way, we're, we're taking it three and a half. The Ravens should get an easy W here. They're just in a different class. They're in a much different class than the Chargers. Yeah, and one thing I'd like to know just in the eye test, and I know the model doesn't put as much weight into position players, but 
old dirty Beckham starting to look like his old self. Odell, I mean, he's not going to be like he was in the Giants seven years ago, of course, but he is starting to look like the guy we saw on the Rams in that Super Bowl run and really looking like an explosive player for that offense. Great point. Great point. He's looked the best he's looked since he's been on the Giants, I think. He's all of a sudden, he's, he's, there's shades of the old Beckham, and, and that just takes this offense to another dimension. Absolutely. So, like we said, Ravens flying high. Let's stay on that birds theme and fly, Eagles fly. Another team, the model can't quit. And why should it? Because the Eagles keep coming through for their backers, and they're going to be minus three at home against Buffalo, who, yeah, they look good, but they're also playing the goddamn Jets. Yeah, this is a big one that we want to lock in at three versus three and a half, and you can still get it on three on points, but it's three and a half almost anywhere else. That That's a big one here. The, the spot worries me a little because the Kansas City game, the Super Bowl rematch was such a big spot, right? Not only is it a big spot to come play Buffalo the next game, but then it's also a short week coming off Monday night. So that does worry me a little bit, but what makes me feel a lot more comfortable is just looking at the rosters up and down and hopefully the Eagles will do what they should have done last game. And that's just rely on the run, right? I don't know why they abandoned the run so quickly against Kansas city. They were trying to throw the ball and the offense stagnated for a long time. Besides that long defensive Smith throw this team, when they just hand it off to Deandre Swift and they use the Jalen hurts run game, they, they can't be stopped. Now I know some of that might be to protect Jalen hurts for the rest of the season, especially if he's a little bit banged up, but just keep feeding these running backs. I mean, they, especially with cam Jurgens, who just came back last week, their offensive line is fully healthy for the first time in about two months. And the statistics just blow it out the water when they're a fully healthy offensive line versus when they're not in terms of how dominant this run game can be. So if they do that, the defense just needs to keep Josh Allen in check. And Josh Allen is not having his best season, even though he's he's played really well. He's had people around him that have disappointed. You know, it just seems like something's not clicking in, in Buffalo. So as long as there's not a letdown spot here for the Eagles, they are at home. They, you know, it's it's another great team they're playing. So it's 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 a tough back to back, but we still we still really like it with the minus three. The Eagles are a much better team. Yeah, and and on that Buffalo point, even though they did score 32 last week in the first half, if you watched that offense kept stalling out, kicking field goals, even after I think they got the opening kickoff fumble and had to kick yeah. a field goal. And then finally, a bad Zach Wilson interception towards the end of the first half. They're able to cash in 16 nothing. And then from there, the Jets D kind of let go of the rope a little bit in the second half. But I wasn't personally as impressed with that Bills offense as yeah. maybe the final stats showed. Yeah, and then listen, the Jets are a top three to five defense in the league, so so you know a little of that's expected. Uh, one, one other injury note is that cornerback Teron Johnson for the Bills also had a concussion, so good chance he misses this game. You know That'll just open things up even more so for the Eagles. I like it. Fly, Eagles, fly, like they've been doing all season as they try to march back to the Super Bowl after winning that Super Bowl rematch this past Monday night. Now, that's the six plays, two on Thanksgiving, four on Sunday. Let's move to the others to watch. There's a few you got your eye on, starting with that Cleveland team, the dog pound. We're down to ride with DTR, and they're plus two and a half going to Denver and playing the Broncos, who are really hot right now. 
Sure, the Broncos are really hot, but the Browns are a much better team. And why are the Broncos really hot? It's because of the turnover margin that they keep lucking themselves into, right? At a certain point, when you have like a plus 10 differential, all on fumbles, almost all on fumbles, that's going to turn around at some point. They they wouldn't have even been in that Minnesota game if it wasn't for those couple of fumbles that they got. They're just free points that they're getting. And if that turns over, even in the slightest, the Browns know they just need to run a conservative game plan because this Denver offense still is not doing it. It's not like Minnesota has an elite defense. They, they're they're kind of middle of the pack. The Browns do have an elite defense, and they should be able to shut down this offense. So we like the Browns to come in there, shut things down. Kareem Jackson, the safety, one of the better safeties in the NFL, just got suspended again after serving a two-game suspension for that hit he gave on Josh Dobbs, even though they didn't even call a penalty on it, and it caused the fumble. Um, I think it caused the fumble. I mean, no, they stopped him on fourth down in the first quarter. So they didn't even call call a penalty on the field. He ends up getting suspended four games after the review. So he's going to be out for this game as well. Uh, another big piece to that defense, which has him playing a lot better, but without Kareem Jackson, that's that's a, that's a significant loss. Yeah, for sure. And the Broncos have been barely eking out those wins, and the offense is still kind of doing better, but uh, no one would confuse them with an explosive offense. And against yeah. that Cleveland D, that's a tough matchup for Russell Wilson and Broncos country. So let's move back now to the third Thanksgiving day and say what you will about the model, but it's a model for the people. And it's trying to give you all the Turkey day action that you could ask for. And this is the NFC East matchup of the Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Like you said, when they play a bad team, they just run it up. And that's a preview for this minus 10 and a half line at home against the commanders. Yeah. So one of the great things that you can tell when the model's locked in is that whenever the lines start to move, they're moving away from, from the model. Right. So like, like they're moving closer to, to what the, the model predicts, I should say. Right. So like in this case, this line opened at minus 10, we honestly should have locked it in then, but we were, it wasn't a ton of value. Now the line went to minus 10 and a half almost immediately. Now it's actually a 12 and a half as we approach game day. So it's so it's the, you know the lot and that's exactly what the model had predicted was minus 12 and a half so it's it's now exactly equal and that's been happening with a lot of these games just to talk about the model for a second is that you know we'll see two and a half points of difference then then as you know as the, the lines come out as the week goes on it goes more and more towards um you know what the model had predicted initially which is a great sign for the model but which is also why we want to lock in these lines as early as we can all that being said i like the cowboys in the matchup it's a huge number. If we got it at 10, it would have been a play. If you're going to play it, I'd still take Cowboys, but it, it's it's a really high number. So take with that what you will. Yeah, maybe miss the value and miss the boat on this one, but still subscribe to the Substack so you can see if that does end up becoming an official play with some maybe late news and some uh, wine and turkey in the, in the belly of, of the architect. So... We go to the, the final game you're watching, and it's those silver and black Antonio Pierce Raiders at home against the Chiefs. They're getting nine and a half. Another one where I wish we locked it in at plus 10. It's now down to nine and a half, which is obviously a big difference. The Raiders have been a completely different team since Antonio Pierce took over. There's no doubt about it. They, they got the couple of wins against the Jets and Giants. Okay, not super impressive, but they just went to Miami, and they were in that game. 
And that's with Aiden O'Connell leading the way, right? That the defense has really started to show up. They kept that Miami offense in check. They got a lot of turnovers. And now going back home, this is still a lot of points for them to be getting. We saw that this Kansas City offense is just not clicking right now. The offensive line's a lot worse than it was last year with the, the interchanging of the two tackles. The two tackles they have now are just worse than the two tackles they had last year. And they're they're not giving the same protection. They're not doing as much in the run game. And, you know, it's probably going to be a lower scoring game. This isn't the same Chiefs explosive offense. And if we can keep it as low scoring enough, then you want to take the team that's getting enough points. So if this can be a 24-17 game, something in that realm, right? I think it's very, very possible. Sounds about right that that type of number. You want to get it. You want to be getting the nine and a half. So let's still wait and see for a second. The one big name to watch injury-wise is Colton Miller, one of the best left tackles in the NFL that probably people haven't heard of for the Raiders. He's missed the last couple games. Hopefully he comes back for this one, and then we'll jump all over this. I hear you. And two things, two quick things to mention, one on each side from my perspective is one, the Chiefs. I mean, everyone's talking about it beyond the offensive line. The receivers can't catch a cold this season. Game one, it was Kadarius Toney. Obviously, this past game, it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And it just it's a tough situation for Mahomes where his, his pass catchers are letting him down seemingly week in, week out. And that's another benefit for the Raiders. On that other side, you mentioned O'Connell, and he was moving the ball against Miami there were he did throw three picks but I, I gotta say at doing thaw ball two of those Jalen Ramsey interceptions were special diving yeah. interceptions that I, I don't know how many other corners in the league make those picks and, and what the model has shown is since Jalen Ramsey's come back this Miami defense is easily a top five unit I mean this defense is really really special now with Jalen Ramsey not just on the back end but with the front seven so the fact that he's even able to move the ball on the road against that that type of unit coming back home now, friendly confines in Vegas, you know, I think they should have similar success at, at the worst moving the ball against the Chiefs with not as explosive of an offense right now. Love it. Show some allegiance to the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. And that's it. So we had six plays officially, and then we're going to have three to watch, although that Commanders-Cowboys game ends up probably not being a play, but we'll still keep an eye on it. So that's this week, week 12. As you can see, I upgraded my background. We're now, we now got beachfront property after eight and one the last two weeks. Let's keep the momentum rolling with the model. Anything else you want to say? That's about it. I just want to see an even better view next week after we get another sweep. I'm looking forward to it. If you haven't been tailing the model, now's the time. Get on the bandwagon. The rest of the season, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's go. Yeah, beachfront from here. We go to castles. I don't know what else, but we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to keep aiming to better that 63% from last season, and we're well on our way after some early season hiccups. I mean, since week six, like we said, that record is pretty special. So that's all we got for week 12. This is Follow the Model, and we're signing off.